Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery. Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. Once, twice, three times a lady, and I love you. Hi, this is your host of J-Rod Concerts, the podcast, Jamie Rodriguez, this in every episode, and that was, you know, Lionel Richie. I don't even know what once, twice, three times a lady means, but gosh darn it, I love that song. Hope everyone is doing great in this beautiful uh, spring weather we're having here in the South. I hope you are as well. And today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have Ron Pope on the show. Of course, pop rock singer, songwriter, currently based out of Nashville, born in Atlanta, amazing guy. We recently saw him perform in Atlanta at City Winery, along with our friend Lauren Morrow, who was opening for him. But uh, but man, Ron is an outstanding, an outstanding artist, and he is releasing a brand new EP uh, later this year. He's actually releasing two EPs. The first one is released in late April called It's Gonna Be a Long Night and it's got some amazing songs in there like Make Me Stay and a bunch of others that are really already hitting the um that are already hitting the uh the radio airwaves if you will as well as uh, the good old days beautiful song about gratitude and a, a green day cover good readings time of your life and he's got another EP coming out in the fall so stay tuned for that now, Ron is an, um, an amazing, an amazing, I would say, poet, a troubadour. The way he taps into emotion in his lyricism is absolutely stunning and unique. And we are absolutely honored to have Ron on the show. So thank you, Ron, for coming on the show. If you want to check out more about Ron, Ron's music, he's going to be on tour this year throughout the country. So check that out. RonPopeMusic.com. RonPopeMusic.com. Uh, if you're new to the show, welcome, welcome, welcome. Please give us a review, click subscribe on our podcast, wherever you're listening to. Helps us quite a bit. Without further ado, Ron Pope on J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. Ronald Michael Pope, just super excited to have you on, man. I mean, first of all, house cleaning items. You have a new EP coming out. It's going to be a long night. Of course, a few singles out already, breathtaking, man. Uh, the good old days and, you know. It's been awesome. So congratulations. We, we loved it. Thank you. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And, you know, you've been on the road quite a bit, Ron, uh, this year. Uh, you know, we've been uh, talking you up since we saw you at City Winery in Atlanta. And I particularly loved, Ron, I mean, what struck with me is the way you made everyone in that room feel like there was nobody else. You know, like you made, you create magic. It's amazing. Wow. Jeez. Uh, you know, this this tour is me all by myself, obviously, you know, usually it's me on stage with seven other people, you know, so there's eight of us chasing each other around and, you know, kind of a lot of solos and a lot of featured moments for the instrumentalists in the band. And this is just me all alone. So it's, you're, you're getting my lounge act basically. Uh, so hey, it's, buddy. It, mm -hmm. Go ahead. 
it's just a, you know, it's a different thing. And so, yeah, I, I really try to lean into the, the stories, uh, you know, and share a little more, you know, it, for me, it feels like it's a very natural extension of my, you know, my regular everyday personality. I don't have to, yeah, I don't have to turn anything on to do this show. I just kind of, you know, I'm sitting backstage talking to someone and then I walk onto the stage and I'm kind of doing the same thing. I just have to mix in some songs every once in a while. Yeah. But you know, Ron, I, I was watching the other day, um, a Bruce Springsteen concert, I think live from Barcelona. And, and I think there was a session where he plays uh, Jungle Land and She's the One or something like that. And it reminded me of what you're talking about, like that like loungy conversational part with the piano. Um, Bruce was like a big part of like where, where, where you're like your influence, right, Ron? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I am, I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of kind of obvious base level sort of similarities, like, you know, I'm from New Jersey originally. I grew up in Georgia, but I lived in New Jersey um, when I was a little kid. And, uh, you know, so if you run around with a Telecaster and you're a songwriter from New Jersey with a bunch of energy, uh, you know, obviously you're going to get a bunch of those uh, right. spring, Springsteen comparisons. But I do love, I love the idea of a songwriter who can also really front a band and be like a true front person. Because right. I think a lot of times, you see people who, you know, they, like, I didn't come up as like a troubadour with an acoustic guitar, like singing songs and crying and, and not, you know, neither did Bruce. And so I think that like, if you start from that place, you know, a solo performer, uh, and then you, you're plugged in and stuck in front of a band, you know, that's right. a different kind of energy than someone like me or Bruce who grew up being in a band playing electric guitar, uh, you know, and then kind of learned to become a songwriter and a storyteller. Uh, yeah. So, so to me, the, the performance part is a very big part of it. You know, it's a, it's, it's an essential element. And that's definitely something, you know, that I think is, you know, uh, where I feel a kinship to Springsteen, I guess. Totally, totally. And, and, you know, j just, you know, one more connection to Springsteen, but like the longevity of your career, Ron, I, I felt like, you know, talking to some of your fans, they've been following you for a long time. There's obviously like a deep connection there. Right. And, you know, I do see some parallels in the way you're building a solid, sustainable career. Um, with someone like Bruce or whoever has had a long career in the sense that like, I feel like your values as a musician are unmovable. You're not following the trends. You're not following, you know, the, the quirky new sound of the, of the time or the new social media of the time. Like you're building yourself on something that is lasting. Am I right or am I wrong? Uh, you know, so far, uh, you know, I, I put out my first record with, you know, I was in a band first. And so the first record with the band came out 18 years ago. Right. Um, and my first solo album came out 14 years ago, I guess. And so you know, I've been making a living as a professional musician, you know, now for yeah, about 14 years. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it has been kind of a slow, gradual thing. You know, we've never been, you know, lucky enough to be in a position where um, anybody, you know, kind of like sprinkled fairy dust on, on us at any point and, you know, gave us a, a boost. Um, and so unfortunately, I guess for me, it's kind of had to be this, you know, slow, gradual brick by brick kind of building. Um, and I've been lucky to you know, find a fan base of people that are engaged and, and that want to listen to the music and want to go uh, with us, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah, totally, totally, Ron. But, you know, another cool thing is you're a father now, obviously. It's probably your most important title, husband as well. Um, but, you know, a wonder, obviously, you know, a great life experience. But, you know, you've been a relentless tour, like, your whole life. Like, you know, there were there were years that you played, you know, hundreds of, of dates a year. Mm -hmm. uh, how has it been, really, you know, Ron, for the first time in your career, 
to be out because you've been out pretty much since January or February nonstop, I think, um, you know, with, with, with our family now, with like that concept of, of like a more solid home at home. Has that been hard? Well, I have um, amended my approach to touring in the last okay. number of years. And so this year as a, for instance, I'm only playing on the weekends. And so okay. generally I fly on Friday, I yeah. play on Saturday and I fly home on Sunday. And so that has made the whole thing a little bit easier because I can be here, uh, you know, to, to hang out with my, my family during the week. Um, but last year, or excuse me, two years ago, I did go on like my first, you know, kind of conventional tour where I left home and I was gone for about a month. Yeah. And it was at the beginning of 2020 and it was hard. And I was really wondering on that tour, you know, if I would ever want to go on tour again, you know, in that way. Yeah. And then the universe was like, oh, you want to stay home? Do you stay home? <laughs> and, so, right. and so, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like as we move forward in the future. But, you know, right now I'm just doing weekends. And, uh, you know, that's been, you know, a nice change for me because it allows me to be here. You know, sure. like you said, I mean, the, the centerpiece of my life now is that I'm, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm, I'm doing that. Um, yeah. And then I am, you know, I'm also a musician. I, I would say, you know, I used to say to people, uh, you know, for, you know, that I was a musician, if you were like, well, what do you, who are you? You know, what do you do? That would be the first thing I said. And now, right. you know, now it's, it's, you know, it's something, you know, I care deeply about making music, but it's definitely not, um, the, you know, it's not the centerpiece of my existence anymore. Cause you know, when you're a parent, you can't really, uh, you can't, unless you're a bad parent, you can't really do that. <laughs> Kids are kids are first, man. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. By the way, Ron, where are you coming to us from? From Georgia, from your house in Georgia. In, I live in Nashville. You um, live in Nashville. That's right. Yeah, I've I've lived in Nashville for about right. seven years. Right. Before this, I was in New York for like about fifteen years. Um, so I haven't li I haven't lived in Georgia in a long, long time. Love it, love it. So we're neighbors. We're excited to see you at City Winery, by the way, in, in late April there. But um, but yeah, you know, one of the things, Ron, and you're such a good conversationalist, if it hasn't been obvious at this point for my audience, but we spoke in Atlanta and I was like, man, I could talk to this guy for 17 hours. And I listen to good old days. I was thinking, Ron, uh, you know, you obviously uncovered something that is beautiful, the gratitude in the small moments and the little things, spending time with your family. But, but Ron, I'm kind of like thinking, I don't know if you agree. I feel like people are like forgetting. I feel like there was a, a point in 2020, 2021, where everyone was like on the wavelength of man, let, let's be mindful, gratitude, all that. And people are seem to be forgetting that already. I, like, do you agree with this? I don't know. I guess, you know, that's, it's hard to make sweeping statements about yeah. what people are doing. And I know for myself, I'm trying to stay mindful uh, and stay, you know, keep gratitude kind of at the forefront of, of what I'm doing. You know, these are, these have been challenging and dark times. Uh, a lot of people have lost their lives. And yeah. so I feel grateful to be here, to be alive, to have my, my family. And so, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't speak on what, what everybody is doing though. That's, that's a tough thing to, to say is what sure. you know, broad sweeping statements like that. I can't do it. Sure, 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 sure. And and how do you how do you go to gratitude, Ron? Like in in your you know in, when it's when it's a little dark, when you feel a little down, when you're feeling, is it just as simple as like opening the photo of your daughter and your family, or like or like how, how do you reach out to it? Uh, you know, honestly, I I have I feel like I feel pretty easy connection to those things at this point in my life. I think I was Lovely. so, you know, coming up, I was very focused on the idea of like the the songwriter as this like wounded you know animal like making his way through the world knocking things over and that you know the the, the art 
was created from my dysfunction. And, you know, as I became an adult, I just kind of realized that that didn't necessarily need to be the case. um, And that I could make art that was meaningful and also live a life that wasn't uh, like a constant nightmare. (laughs) So, uh, and so I feel, you know, I, I just feel grateful every day i mean i know that sounds like a little a hokey maybe but no, honestly, it, it, yeah. it is pretty easy for me to access that gratitude and i kind of you know i very rarely lose sight of it um because i know what my life could be like um if i didn't have uh you know have my family if i didn't have my career i you know i you know i have been lonely and i have been uh you know poor and struggled and tried to make it you know and and, and not you know clawed and not have it happen so um, it's, it's very apparent to me every day, uh, what's it. good in my life. And, uh, I'm kind of able to hold on to it, uh, without too much effort, I guess, because, uh, I, I know that it's good. I am very conscious of how good, how good my life is. Man, that's beautiful. That, what, what a great, uh, you know, discipline and muscle there. This podcast episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. You know, people don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget about doom scrolling, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, undereating, and overeating. You know, in my personal experience, you know, I deal with stress as well. You know, the, you know, growing this show and then, you know, just traveling around the country and, you know, sometimes maybe a little bit of lack of exercise or maybe a little bit of mood swings get into our system, you know, through stress. So, um, yeah, so this is why BetterHelp is so helpful. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways. And in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less, and grind all the time, here's your reminder to take care of yourself. Do less. Maybe try some therapy. You know, BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast, of course, is sponsored by BetterHelp and J-Rod Concerts. The podcast listeners get 10% of the first month at BetterHelp.com slash J-Rod Concerts. That's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash J-Rod Concerts. But don't you think, Ron, that like, for example, you used to be a baseball player. Like you were basically going to be a pro at Rutgers, right? And the Rutgers two years you know, uh, in there before you got injured, you know, don't you think that like this kind of setbacks is like when you started basically realizing, okay, like how can I make like lemonade out of this like lemon of life challenges? Like, you know, do you think that like these early challenges is something that kind of like, you know, shaped that in a way? So I want to lead with no one was going to pay me to play baseball. Definitely not. I mean, you know, but almost certainly not. But, I, you know, okay. yes, I did. I did go to college with the notion, you know, that I was a baseball player with the hope that I would, you know, make it and be a professional baseball player. Of course, that was right. my dream. Right. Um, and um, a, a positive for me in transitioning out of, a, you know, a background in sports and into music was that because I was used to having my life very structured, I kind of took that same notion to working at music like trying to make music into a career you know I was used to getting up early and working very hard and and having a kind of singular sort of focus in my life and so that really I think aided me in the beginnings of my career when a lot of the people around me were 
you know, largely just making music because, you know, and having fun. They, they weren't um, thinking about how to turn it into uh, a, a career in a meaningful way. And so that really worked in my favor. And then once my, once my opportunities uh, like started to kind of open up and once my audience started to get bigger online, yeah. um, that sort of like conscientiousness is what led me to be like, okay, now there's these people here. Now, how do we turn this into money so that this can be my job? You know, because I, I was very aware that like, you know, I, I didn't have any financial backing. And so if, sure. if I, if I didn't, uh, figure out a way to turn uh, my music career into a, a place where I could, you know, make a living. Then it would it would ha- it would be have to be a hobby, kind of by definition, because I didn't, you know, if I didn't have the money to do it, then I would have to make money elsewhere to 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 both survive and to support my music career. So, uh, so that you know, like I said, yeah, the 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 background in athletics led me to all of that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great, that's great, Ron. And I want to ask you about a couple of the new songs, but you know, just kind of like pivoting of that. As you were talking, I'm, I'm thinking, man, I, that's exactly what's happening with Brooklyn Basement Records too. You know, it's like you basically like you singularly focused into expanding the knowledge of all areas. Tell us a little bit about this. I mean, one of the things you do is you co-founded an independent record label, you know, and it's been very successful and it's probably helped you also like manage your own career, like you, just from the understanding perspective of the industry, right? So, so I will say this. So Blair, Blair Clark, who is my, my yes. manager and who really runs Brooklyn Basin Records and is also my wife. Uh, Blair really um, is the uh, the tip of the sword over there. Um, you know, I'm just uh, I'm just a pretty face on the sign. You know, <laughs> no, um, you know, and I, I'm a, you know, I do participate, of course. But, you know, really, you know, Blair, Blair does all the heavy lifting over there. But, yeah, we've been very lucky. Like, obviously, you know, we kind of do a lot of things under the Brooklyn Basement umbrella. You know, Blair is managing Miko Marks and Emily Scott Robinson. And we have, uh, through our marketing partnerships, um, we have released records from, we did Emily's uh, first full length. We did one of, you know, we did Miko's records. Um, We've done a wide variety of really cool things. And so it's been, it's been interesting you know, to, to kind of get to participate in the careers of a variety of different artists, you know, sure. and, to, and to look, uh, look underneath the hood and see, uh, you know, not just, um, cause I think it's easy to, you know, like, uh, when you live with the kind of blinders on when your career is the only thing that you work on, I think it's easy to think that there's only one way, uh, for things to work. And that's really not the case, you know, in, in entertainment, yeah. especially, uh, you know, I haven't ever found that there's like a clear cut, uh, playbook, you know, something that works for one artist doesn't necessarily work for another. So yes, it's been exciting to get to participate, um, and to watch, you know, some other artists that, um, that we really believe in, watch them find success and to be able to add, you know, value uh, to their careers. Um, because, uh, you know, other, like if you're not helping other people, what are you doing? Right. Exactly. That's the title of this episode right there. I <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Um, let me ask you about a couple songs and thank you for your time. You're being so, so cool, man. Appreciate it, Ron. You know, a drop in the ocean have to start there because i mean this song you co-wrote it with zach berkman and it's been certified like platinum recently i mean it's it's a it's a massive hit but the it's and, and seeing it live is is pretty much a transcendent experience um ron actually it really it really is it's like it gives you chills you know goosebumps every part of your body man like so i guess the question is why do you think this song continues to resonate the way it does and man 
I, you know, I'm thinking, I'm not an artist, but man, I think if I had, you know, if I was a musician and I could pull out one, a drop in the ocean and leave it out in the world, man, that's, that's a legacy right there, Ron. Well, um, well, I'll tell you a few things. One, I have no idea why it's that song as opposed to some other song. Like I appreciate, of course, and understand that it's a good song. It's a catchy song. I Like I get from an, you know, an analysis point, like why, like a lot of the reasons why it works, but why it has worked to the degree that it has, you know, where we've sold around the world, we've sold millions and millions of copies. We've had, uh, you know, billions of streams of that song. Now it's, you know, this gigantic ubiquitous thing. Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, some of it is like, you know, I happened to be at the right place at the right time. And I had built, I had like very meticulously built uh, a, a grassroots following at the beginnings of social media. And sure. so I reached a sort of tipping point where I had enough of these very excited early adopters, you know, spreading the music. Um, and like I said, I mean, I, I think it's a good song and I, and I, and I am proud of it, and, but I have no idea why it is that that song is something that connects to, you know, to me, it sounds like it's about uh, a breakup, but when other people, some people play it as the first dance song at their wedding, some people play it at funerals. Like, I don't, I don't know, you know, it, it, that's the best, the best part to me about art is that it is absolutely subjective. And so, um, you can, like, if I was a painter and I painted a picture and I thought that it was a picture of a house and you looked at it and you thought that it was a picture of a frog, well, then for you, it's irrelevant that my intention was for it to be a picture of a house. Like for you, it's a frog, yeah. you know, and, and that's like with music, it's the same thing. It's like if, if you feel like it's a song about your first love or a song about your relationship with your grandmother or, you know, something that reminds you of your best friend from high school or your, you know, whatever your, your partner, whatever the thing, you know it's that's what it is it doesn't matter what my intentions were and i really love that it, like the, especially with a song that has um succeeded i guess or you know whatever gone out and, and grown to the scale that that song has grown to um it's wild to watch how many things that people take it and then bolt it onto for themselves um so i am eternally grateful for it i do not have any clear-cut idea uh, as to why it is so successful uh, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. <laughs> yeah, well said, well said, Ron. And, uh, you know, let me leave you with this. I mean, um, Good Riddance, Time of Your Life. It's one of the latest singles of, of your new EP. You know, obviously it's a classic, but, you know, you give it an, a really nice spin. Just share with us a little bit why this song and, you know, just a little bit about uh, closing thoughts on the songs you, you picked for the EP there. That, that song came out when I was in the ninth grade. And, you know, I was talking about, you know, songs being applied everywhere that for in my in my youth at that part of my youth, that song was applied in so many places. If you went to a high school dance, if you went to a funeral, they played it at graduations. It was it was everywhere. It was used for every the Friends finale. Right. Remember, was it? The, it was yeah, everywhere. It was just yeah. it was ubiquitous. And so and like it came out in, I guess, yeah, like 1997. And it just like for years and years and years, it just came on. And so for me now, there's this special kind of nostalgia attached to it because it was there at this like very formative uh, part of my life. And so I, um, I, I really love that song. I kind of can't believe that I've never attempted to cover it before because it's just like, 
you know, like I said, it's, it's just kind of always been there for me. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think uh, that's why I chose it. I, I just, I started thinking about it and I was like, man, like this is a song that I have, I feel, you know, I feel like I've always known. And so, so it's, it. it's, 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 and it's also one of those that, you know, when you hear it, um, you know, if it, you feel like it could have existed forever, yeah. uh, I don't know. It's, it's one of those kind of like things that just feels like, I don't know, very natural. Uh, yeah. And so it, it felt, it felt nice to, to try it. And so, yeah, so this EP, it's going to be a long night has, we talked about um, the good old days um, and it has uh, that cover. Uh, and then it has uh, lie, cheat and steal, which is another, another one of these songs. And I basically just tried to like, really like limit the noise and you know in the, the like with the production one of the things that I wanted to do you know in terms of like taking my my art and my life and putting them together I just couldn't imagine leaving my family and going into the studio and being locked in a cave for a long time and like you know usually when we're working on a record it's like I wake up in the morning I take a shower I do my vocal warm-up we, we get coffee we go to the studio and so we start you know nine ten o'clock in the morning and we work until we're too tired to stop, you know, we have to stop, you know, like we, mm. we eat breakfast, we eat lunch, we eat dinner there, we're there and, you know, we come home and it's dark. And so, you know, my daughter is just about to, to turn four years old. And so if I came home at midnight every night, I wouldn't see her at all, except for in the morning when I woke up and that just didn't feel like a reasonable thing to me. So right. I took one of my best friends, Paul Hammer, who is, you know, a, a musical partner of mine. He's been a musical partner of mine for about 20 years now. And uh, I took Paul and, and his wife and, and Blair and, and I, and we took my daughter and we went and we rented a house and we all stayed there together. And Paul and I went, you know, worked in one of the bedrooms, but we were there. I was, I was a part of my family's life all day. I would go in the, the studio and I would work and then I would come out and, you know, eat a sandwich with my daughter or go right. for a walk with her. Um, you know, when we took a break, we were in the house, we were participants in the lives of, of our family. And so that felt like a much more, you know, for me, a much more desirable way to, to do it at this juncture in my life. And so that's one of the reasons why all these productions are, you know, pretty delicate. It's just Paul and I in a room, you know, working on these, you know, largely alone, uh, you know, and so that's, that's also why there are no drums. It, you know, we didn't yeah. want to, we didn't want to bring drums. So we just didn't. <laughs> so. Perfect. And it's such and a great so, listen, man. And so it, it all feels like very delicate. And, and I think <laughs> that it's, it's from, you know, we were living in a very, you know, comfortable and, and, and kind of delicate way in a very different way than, than we've usually recorded. And so that's, that's what it, the, it's going to be a long night EP is all about. Love it. Love it, Ron. And it's a wonderful EP. And you've said it all, man. Thank you for your time. I do have to come clean about one thing before I have to apologize, because when I saw you in Atlanta, before you got in there, there was a, 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 like a plate of hummus and chips in the in the backstage area. And I was with my friend, friend of the show, Lauren Morrow. And I was not aware that this was your plate of hummus and chips, Ron. And I, I may have snacked on a few. Guilty. That's what they're for. They're for sharing. That's you what know? it's for. It's so, for sharing, so if you got there and you said, who ate the quarter of my hummus? <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> it's for sharing. So it's okay. I appreciate your honesty, though. All right, Ron. See you around. Thank you so much. All right. So long. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.